start. Come on. There we go. SEO This Week. Hey, everyone. Clint Butler here with episode 105 of SEO This Week. I'd like to thank you all for coming. There's a whole bunch of people waiting in the waiting room. That's kind of cool. So today I am joined once again by Ted Kubitis. Say hi, Ted. Hello. <laughs> and then I'm also joined by Terry Power. Terry, how you doing? Doing great this morning. Glad to be here, Clint. Oh, those of you who don't know Terry, he's got a uh, little you know, mastermind of his, out of his own. We're going to talk with him about um, Google Maps is how I met him. We're going to talk a little bit about masterminds and how he chose to build that. Uh, he did build it around a specific product, but that's okay. Uh, we'll forgive him for that. <laughs> and uh, let's see him give us some insights and map rankings, et cetera, and some, maybe some of the tools and stuff that he's working on or using right now uh, to leverage maps with that we're going to talk about a little bit of housekeeping seo this week's uh, podcast will be up today uh, updated on itunes and then i'm also getting it resubmitted to spotify there is a couple episodes already on spotify but we're getting that resubmitted uh today shouldn't have a problem uh, with that and also probably going to start syndicating this on some other video channels too and we'll see how that works out uh, and then finally the live webcasting to facebook uh, i'm still working on the the uh, the technicals and knocking that out but so far it looks like wirecast have guests come in on um, skype and then stream out to YouTube and uh, Facebook at the same time using Wirecast. So that's pretty be It's a little bit technical. I might have to wait for my new computers to come in to knock that out. Um, but mainly, it's really the internet is the is the holdup. I got 100 gig, gig or 100 megabytes per second, so I should be okay. But I don't want to press my luck. Uh, but that is that. All right. Hey, so, a quick question here. Can you add your podcast to Pocket Casts? Pocket Casts. Let me write it down, Ken, and I'll check it out and see. Um, I'll syndicate it anywhere they let me. So, <laughs> you know, not really the hard, the hard part is just pulling off the audio and trying to clean it up a little bit, um, especially with this Hangouts layout that we got right now. Usually I can just record it directly through Wirecast and then clean up the audio that way, but... Yeah, but let me look at that. And if you guys have any other places you want me to syndicate the podcast to, uh, feel free to let me know. I'll, like I said, I'll send them out as many places as I can, uh, and we'll, we'll see how it works out. Okay, let's see. I am going to switch over to the stories for this week. We only have six. I went through 168 stories this week, plus or minus the few that I deleted uh, early on. Oh, I have a question. Is, it, is it possible to get these uh, the URLs to the stories you review in the YouTube description? Yeah, so what I did, and I'll make sure that I stay a little bit more um, up on it this uh, from now on, is I have actually put in the description the link to the post that I create that accompanies the show on Digital Lear. And that's in the description now. So versus sending a whole bunch of links to a bunch of sites from my YouTube channel, 
um, and risking, you know, I don't know, somebody reports me or whatever. Um, it's just check out the site at, and then this week's episode is in the description and you can click on that and that's where all the links are. Um, if you want to, you can watch the live stream or the video uh, from my website as well. Um, I, I prefer if you watch it, the live stream on the YouTube channel since you can actually talk to me though, but yeah, and, that, that option's there. And should people remember to ring the bell so they get alerts when you have new content? Oh, see, look at this. Ted's all, all he's on it, like a hobo on a hot dog. <laughs> and, and you're also trying to get to a thousand subscriptions, right? So, we, I am. A thousand subscribers. we just busted 500, which is pretty cool. Um, considering you know, we let the show die for what since August and then just restarted in January. So, yeah, we're not gonna do yeah, people are showing up, so I think it's a good deal. I'm, I'm pretty excited and happy this is working out. All right. And now that Ted sidetracked me, I'm going to go back to open this back up. Oh, one other thing. I don't know if you guys know, uh, like, the Apple magazines. They're uh, It's Apple Mag is what it's called. It's Apple, and basically, you can go in there and subscribe. Like, there's some digital marketing ones and... Um, a bunch of other stuff inside of this Apple magazine store. And there's a system that Ed Dale made. It's called Magcast, and I've had the stupid thing forever since he launched it. Uh, I just upgraded it the other day, and we're going to start putting these stories on Magcast as well. The difference is uh, that you're just going to get the stories, and you won't see the live performances or the live, the live videos. Um, I think I can put videos in there, but it You'll get the recordings, obviously, to go along with the, the articles. Now, the reason I'm telling you guys that is not to get you to subscribe to something new. is to let you know that if you are putting out SEO content and you think it's worthy, then you need to go to my website, digitalear.com forward slash SEO this week. Uh, there are hyphens in between each one of those, SEO this week. Uh, and submit your articles in there so I can find them. And then once I start promoting this, the magazine and building that magazine up, I want to put like five to 10 articles in there and, and it'll be, it's going to be free. Um, I'll put some advertising and stuff in there. Maybe get some affiliate stuff or maybe link to, you know, buddies products or whatever. Um, but for the most part, the, the view, the readers and everything will get it for free. And that's exposure, obviously for me and any, whoever else has, um, an article in there or um, is on the video show. So well, once again, I called this out before when I had SEO this week morning all the time is if you have some news, you have an article and you think that you uh, have written something that is better than the rest of the noise out there, submit, submit it on the website. There's a form on the SEO this week page, the main page for SEO this week. Uh, and then we'll get you added in. Have no well, doing that whatsoever. Not so, setting the bar very high there, Clint. Say again? Not setting the bar very high, just better than the noise that's out there. Well, yeah, it doesn't, if you want you read, a, yeah, you read 200 articles a week and you, you'll notice that everyone's saying the same exact crap and just trying, trying to put it in a different way. So, um, Do you recommend that they send a unique version of the article or can they just send an exact copy for syndication? They can put it as an exact copy. So the way Magcast works, it doesn't tie into Google, um, but it's, you know, really is for for Apple users. So 
Um, but if you get a good magazine up there going, you can get a lot of exposure and make a lot of money doing that. Um, obviously, I'm not trying to, to monetize it that much. Maybe I can one day if I decide I want to be some kind of SEO reporter. But right now, I just like doing SEO more. So um, but I think it's a good way to kind of leverage our community uh, and to help each other out. And so and maybe reach people that we're not necessarily reaching. So um, i.e. potential clients. And we'll see how that all works out. All righty. Okay, so for the first story, it's uh, PPC geotargeting best practices. And the reason I put this in here is, I don't know about you, Terry and Ted, but when I do SEO, I like to run a PPC campaign for clients first. You know, $100, $150, nothing crazy. Uh, and checking out their keywords, i.e. their dream keywords, that's what I call them, because most clients come at you with the broadest terms ever um, that are really, really hard. And their service areas, because we do a lot of local, and find out the impressions and traffic of people that are actually there. Uh, and not a lot of people are doing that. Like, Terry, do you, are you doing that for your clients? Um, with, a, with a new client, I do that right away. <clears throat> Just to sort the those keywords. Yeah, and Ted, I, I, for the ecom stuff, because I know where your your background is, your your ecom stuff. Did you guys do that too? Oh or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you you get the the bulk of your revenue when all marketing channels are firing pro properly. You get the bulk of your revenue from paid. You uh -huh. still get you know fifteen percent or more from organic. And you get your best margins in organic, uh, but the paid is easier and quicker to scale. Right. Um, the other the other thing is that uh, uh, some keyword uh, niches uh, can can really vary on on how you need to approach them. Like I've seen uh, people target uh, pay per click ads, like in AdWords, for something like you know, very high-end executive matchmaking. Uh, but those keywords, the target customers don't know that lexicon. So you get like no search volume on those keywords. But if they were to say, go to YouTube and create a video about the service they offer and target by job title to executives who are unmarried, you know, then, then they stand a chance to get some actual volume because they have an education problem where people don't know what to search. So I often think that, uh, you know, the keyword niche of, of what they're offering also comes into play. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. My, my best example, and I'm sure Ted has heard this before, but um, we had a client and they were selling ductless heating and cooling units. I don't know if you, you know what that is, but basically there's a unit on the outside and then they drill holes in your wall and run some pipes and go to the unit on the, on the inside. Um, and ductless heat pumps is really, there's a lot of traffic there. At the time it was 14000 a month. So that's the, obviously that happened to be the dream keyword that this client wanted. So we set up this PPC geotargeting because they had a, zero interest in serving people outside of their area uh, we were selling for them like 11 to 15 units on average a week just through seo which is a significant margin for them 
so what they but what they wanted was that ductless heat pumps that was their target keyword and only in this area and that's all they were going to pay for for seo that's all they wanted um their ppc stuff that's all they wanted to do so we ran a ppc campaign for them just finding out if they're if it's one if it's going to be worth it and it turns out in their specific service area not one person searched not one. They didn't even get any impressions, much much less a click. <laughs> and when we set it up to get um, you know some of the related terms uh, from it, we found out it was Douglas Heating and Cooling Units, and they hadn't even thought about that. They didn't know that their customers were looking for it. And when you run that at a national nationwide search, the search volume is low, but in their specific service area, it is actually way higher. And it was a lot easier for us to rank for that term. So that's why I wanted to highlight this post. I don't know if a lot of you guys are in PPC, uh, but if you're doing an SEO campaign or you're going to put the time into, you know, three to six months of an SEO campaign, do this PPC geo targeting. And you're going to not only help your clients out or yourself if you're doing SEO for yourself, but you're going to save yourself a lot of money uh, and a lot of headache. Uh, in the in the end, and it's also going to help with your client retention because you're, you know, one, you've immediately proved value, and you save the money right off the bat. And then two, now you're targeting probably, uh, in my guess, is going to be easier terms for those specific customers. So, would you advise that uh, people doing uh, SEO services should they try to talk a customer out of ranking for a term that has no search volume? I don't, we don't talk them out of it in the initial phone call because obviously we want to close them and get them to become customers. If anyone has been, has SEO clients though, they know that the first couple of months is when they're really sketchy. Uh, they want to see, you know, show reports because that's what they've been told they have to look for as reports. They want to see rankings. They want to see analytics. And then that 30 days they are like, you haven't done anything for me. Well, we just barely finished auditing your one million paid website guy. Come, you know, <laughs> sit right down. Having this and doing this helps you with that conversation. I call it a discovery call. Um, I just got that from OMG guys and, and uh, some some other people that were calling it a discovery call. And during that discovery call is when I can present this PPC data. Um, at the end of the first month and say, here's the cur here's the words that you wanted. Here's the words that AdWords in the impressions based off of your target area uh, have said is what we should really be doing. And it's going to save you some money and some time because we can rank for these a lot faster than we can rank for these. Does that make sense? Hopefully that makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. You got to be targeting the keywords that are being searched, not just the keywords you expect people to look up. Yeah. And you can find this data really quick. Like it's not, you don't even have to pay for the whole hundred dollars. You know, on average we're spending maybe 25 to 50. Uh, we're just running it for a week or two just to see, you know, so we can get some decent numbers off of it. So that's pretty, that's a good thing. So anyway, just go into this. It's a search engine journal post, PPC geotargeting best practices guide. And there's some good information in here. Obviously, you know, what is a geotargeting area, et cetera. Uh, one of the best, best parts here is the avoid unnecessary hyper-targeting, which means don't try to narrow that down like retarded, like right down to the, you know, I'm going to hyper-target to this one street or this one particular block. 
use zip codes maybe you know or a radius 10 15 20 miles depending on the type of business that you're doing uh, and that'll help you out a lot better uh, and then another one obviously I, I haven't even been doing this split your campaigns by time zones I've just been kind of running them to wherever we're at so especially if you're doing international or you're doing a or national uh, type of business so something to consider so check out that post pretty good give me a second I'll make a drink Okay, the next uh, site is begin.com. Uh, how to undercover the motivation of your audience is three simple ways to find search intent. Um, if Kyle, or I think Kyle's talked about search intent. I know Ted's talked about search intent, but basically it's picking keywords based off of what the end purpose of the um, the searcher is looking for. Ted or Terry, have you done much with uh, search intent and keyword research? Um, not a lot. No, I do. Uh, when I do, when I get a list of a couple hundred keywords, I do look through them for uh, ones that are intent based, but don't do the research uh, with that focus. You know? Right. Yeah, I think you'll you'll find that most people don't. They. they most people kind of think of keyword research as going into a tool, um, Google Analytics or Google AdWords keyword tool or SE Cockpit or whatever, and just looking at search volume. And then there's keyword research is, hey, let's find the one with search volume. Yeah. And, and uh, the latest Quora shared data. So uh, if people might not know this, I create a tool called Quora, and there's an option to share data with the community anonymously. And so I can look at literally thousands of core reports uh, in aggregate. And uh, when I look at the search intent uh, indicators on, on those records, we see a funnel. So the, there are three categories of search intent we look at. And the top of the funnel is the question, you know, uh, what are many split uh, AC units? and so those are the question keywords. And then the next part of the funnel is the sentiment uh, queries. So those are the best mini split AC units. And then at the bottom of the funnel, you have your commercial intent queries, which is, you know, where to buy uh, mini split AC units, you know, mini split prices. Those are commercial intent. And the volume of those surprisingly makes a funnel. You got most SEOs competing at the questions, the second most competing at the sentiment level, and the least amount com uh, competing at the commercial intent, uh, which I, I found shocking. It, it makes sense after the fact, but I always did it in reverse. I always pounce on the commercial intent and work my way back to the questions. Um, but, uh, uh, Clint, what do you think uh, about those uh, buckets of the funnel? Uh, I think it's, that's actually a good way to look at it because I've always looked at them just different terms, same thing, as navigational, informational, and then purchase, uh, or I'm ready to buy. Buyer, essentially, is kind of how I always looked at them. So that the way you just broke it down, too, and actually creating your funnels that way, I didn't even think of that. That's pretty it. That makes a lot of sense. I think I'm doing it on uh, Un, well, I guess I'm doing it unconsciously. So that's kind of cool. 
so this post here is a it's a guy it's a different way of looking at keyword research i have another way too uh, i'm going to show that probably in a different show uh, and just how i do it i think i've went over it before uh, but basically we're going to look at keyword research and working worrying about also finding other keywords and ctas um, but this method here is working on finding you know um, just a little bit better of finding that who's what your uh, buyers are looking for uh, and the purpose of that particular search. So primarily, you know, navigational brands, you know, you know digital ear or SEO this week or SEO this week, episode 105, that is a navigational term. And then you get into informational and then you get into um, the buyer keywords or you know, the commercial intent, like Ted said. So if you're creating pages for commercial intent, you're doing it a Ted's way. You create your commercial intent page uh, and optimize it for a commercial intent keyword. Then you use your informational words to create your supplemental pages and link to that uh, using that silo that I taught in episode 103. Uh, I think you, you we kind of are doing this. Um, I can just say that just, you know, think about it as I'm talking it out. Uh, in my head that we're doing it already. Um, but this is this keyword research method in this post is actually pretty good and it gets you thinking about a different way of doing keyword research. Um, a more uh, effective way in my opinion. Um, and it, it's, it doesn't really take much more time than doing the whole sort by search result or search by search volume. Uh, so, um, check out this post is really, really good. Terry, do you have any video? I know you have a mastermind. I'll go ahead and cut into that real quick. You have a mastermind. You charge what, like $10 a month. I talked to you in Vegas and you're charging way too, not, not enough. <laughs> um, do you have any keyword research information inside of your mastermind? Um, just a couple of tools I use um, that pull up the, um, uh, the Google suggests. Uh-huh. And and um, and then especially since it's changed, uh, Neil Patel's Uber suggests I like that and Keyword.io and stuff. So I do mention some of the tools and how I use them. Okay. But, um, but this this funnel Ted was uh, mentioning, I think that's a, a a natural result if you if you're doing SEO for very long, um, you start realizing the value of those Q and A's, you know, snippets and things like that. Um, and, uh, creating articles for that, for that middle stretch. And then, you know, maybe landing pages or actual call to actions for the, uh, commercial. This is a separate issue, but you know, they should have had, they should have done some spacing that three belongs on line two, not the top, <laughs> but, but whatever <laughs> it just bothers me. I'm like, what, the, what are you thinking? But anyway. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, I think it's uh, it's SEO courses fault, SEO teachers. Um, there's not very many people that are teaching keyword research based off of intent. I think I can name two. Um, yeah, just two right now off the top of my head are where I see people actually saying, hey, look, the search numbers are great, but let's use some common sense and try to find people that are one, if you want to buy money or want to give you money. Uh, and then two, want to give you traffic. Uh, and so I think a lot of people 
we might have to have a tool show. I'll get Terry. I'll get you back in here because you mentioned some that I use and a couple that I don't. Uh, I know Ted's got all kinds of crazy uh, mad scientist stuff for keyword <laughs> research too. So uh, we might have to do a tool show and just kind of make sure that we're, you know, at the end of the day, again, SEO this week and then tomorrow's show SEO fight club is designed to get you thinking and giving you better methods to get your work done. Uh, and I think none of it matters if we don't have keyword research, right? Um, so it's a really good topic for a longer episode. I think never hurts to get a better perspective or at least yeah. a different one. Oh, for sure. All right. The next one, this might be interesting to Ted. Uh, Google may have a new user agent named Google speaker. And what people are seeing is in, especially in their server logs, this Google speaker shows up. Uh, Google hasn't officially recognized that. Yes, it's, it's ours, but you know, if it looks like a Google bot, it probably is a Google bot. <laughs> so um, the the guess here or the summation is that perhaps this has something to do with the um, uh, speaking tools like uh, Google Assistant. Uh, Google Go fetches a page here from Danny Sullivan, uh, and it'll read that information out loud. So this might be, I'm not sure how we can leverage knowing that there is a good one, but I think it you can look inside of your uh, server logs and find out if Google Speaker is running your website. Look at the pages that it's spending the most time at and then work at optimizing those a little bit more for uh, voice search. That's, that's in my opinion, that's probably how you level it. Yeah, the, the first question that comes to mind is are the ISPs coming from Google registered ISPs or are they coming from hardware devices at consumer locations? Uh, the the original one here, they talked about that. Then, yeah, see, resolves to Google. So that's the IP that's coming from and it resolves to Google. Okay. That's so, about as technical as they dug into that. Um, so then it's un unlikely if that if that pattern holds true for everyone, then it's unlikely to be something like a Google, you know, assistant in somebody's home. It's more likely to be a cloud service originating out of Google. Yeah, maybe. Or like like Google Go, I don't even know what that is. Google Go fetches a page and makes sure it's up-to-date information before it translates it to read aloud. Um, that's pretty interesting. So it's maybe this Google Go is feeding the answers that you that Google Assistant or Google Home is giving you. Yeah, yeah. So they're denoting that it is a Google service that's making the request, but it's not Google Bot. They're differentiating for yeah whatever reason. Huh. That's pretty good. I think though, honestly, if you if you are into your server. Hopefully I'm 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 right. What do you what do you what do you think, Ted? If you if you're checking out your server logs, if you're getting that crazy deep in there, you find out what they're who are you know. Um, if that well, bot's crawling, then it's more than likely based off of the information that Danny Sullivan gave, then that you're getting some voice searches for that particular thing. So go in there and make that a little bit better. Well, it, it adds a new dimension uh, to your web content. So if your web content is going to be read aloud. Uh, then you actually want to really consider your phrasing and your grammar and does it make sense when you speak it out loud? 
and uh, one of the tricks that writers have when they like are writing and they know it's going to be converted into audiobook later is they'll highlight the text in their editor and they'll use their operating systems tech uh, text to speech and they'll listen to their dialogue they'll listen to their writing and see if it has the flow so you know my guess is that if you're creating content that'll be read aloud that you'd need to start doing you know what those writers do who publish ultimately to audiobooks <laughs> that's pretty that's actually pretty smart because i use a method of variation of that to actually create new content so let's say i want to write an article completely about this but i don't want to just regurgitate the crap that they say i'll open up a word document and drag and dictate and read out a version of this paragraph and then a version of this sentence and then a version of this sentence uh change i you know so essentially i'm writing about the exact same thing and just doing it in a different different tone and then as it when dragon dictate uh comes out with the new article it's it's natural speaking uh, uh the way that the way that it's written so that's pretty interesting and, and it's surprisingly important to when you do that clint because i use that you know i use my dragon all the time is to speak um, not grammatically correct, but human, uh, human speak, you know, doesn't matter if you end in a preposition, it's okay to say that. Um, don't let the grammar police, those are for written articles, not for speech. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really mess around with grammar too much. You guys can read my website and see that right off the bat. I have Grammarly to make me sound not so much like a complete idiot, but, um, Surprisingly enough, English was my best <laughs> was my best uh, on my best courses in college and, and in high school. But I just hate the process of grammar. I, I, I like just writing and spotting it out there. So, um, yeah, and, and FYI, you know, the various cloud platforms have very cheap uh, uh, text to speech conversion. So if you want to go, you know, multimedia with your content, you can go that direction. And uh, they go the other way too. They have very cheap uh, transcription. So if you're going from audio to, to text, so there there's a lot of cool tricks and hacks. Sweet. Uh, the next one is how to redesign your website without affecting your your SEO. There's another case of the amazing uh, language skills without yeah. affecting your SEO. <laughs> well, you can <laughs> tell when people are doing. When effective pops in, you're like, huh? Okay. Um, but the reason I want to show this is this article actually just outlines four simple steps. And it's really a lot of people make uh, a move or a redesign harder than it has to be. And at, at its base, really, it is these four things. Just do these four things and you're not going to screw up your SEO. My, unless, of course, you redesign your website and change all your URLs, then you're going to have a problem. Uh, but if you're just redesigning it and you're cleaning it up and fixing your H tags and all that stuff all at one time, you'll actually find you'll get a drop at first and then it just comes right back up. Uh, so just follow these four simple steps and then you'll be good to go. I'm, I'm kind of going to leave it at that. There's not really a whole lot more to talk about um, uh, with, with this whole process. Uh, but that's a good article just to give you the steps. Ignore the title, obviously. <laughs> Uh, here's that good one I like is Google Lighthouse is going to do platform packs. So if you don't know, when you run um, 
a lighthouse right now, it's kind of like just looking at the HTML and it's not taking into consideration that you're using a CMS. Um, so they're fixing lighthouse. So it'll actually recognize your CMS and then what you can do inside of your CMS. Uh, and they're starting with WordPress, which is really, really awesome. So this is, I don't know, I got my, you know, give a good um, golf clap for, for Google uh, and thinking of this and and, and knocking it out. I, I think it's going to be a really good game changer for those of us that rely mostly on WordPress. I do WordPress just because it's easy. Why hard code a site where you can just throw up a theme and ta-da, it's designed, right? So um, I think this is going to be a real good thing. What would be really cool is if they had an API and then we can plug it into an S some of those SEO tools like Pop or Cora just to get a little bit more perspective off of the, you know, off of our comparison sites and how we're looking based off of what Lighthouse is giving. So I know Lighthouse right now has an API, but I'm not sure if these platform packs are going to do it. Uh, but this is, you know, it's awesome and I can't wait for it to come out. There's more information in there if you want to go ahead and check it out. Uh, and here's a link to get a sample of, of one of the reports. So um, something I'm definitely going to follow and let you know when they release, release it. Yeah, and, I've mentioned yeah. Lighthouse to my in my mastermind before. And, and in fact, this past Sunday, we talked a little bit about that article because they're right now they're asking for uh, input from Google users. And, um, you know, it's a chance to with a concerted effort, you know, to maybe steer it so that they're, they do include an API, you know, things like that in it. So, yeah, they, you know, they might, it's already probably built in with, um, in the Chrome and the dev tools. There's a couple other tools that it's hardwired to now, uh, the page speed insights that's hardwired into lighthouse now. Um, so I think that that is one of the tools that's not going to go away. And in a sense, they're integrating it into so much, um, we might have that for the long haul, which would be pretty awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it works. It, it, if anything, it makes for a great tool for your uh, pre-site audits. You're doing your sales and saying, hey, look, here's this, this, and this. Yeah. Hey, this is what Google thinks of your site. Um, yeah. We need to fix this. Yeah. And just caution people who are using tools from Google uh, if you can't fix it, don't point it out as a, an issue. So like a WordPress theme might kick off something inside of one of those tools. And the last thing you want to do is say, hey, we need to get this fixed. But if you fix it, you're going to fry their WordPress theme. Um, so just be careful with that. And the last article is uh, posted by Christina. I'm not even going to slaughter her last name. Um, but what she's doing and actually going in and talking and watching these Google Webmaster Highlight Hangouts and putting articles up uh, explaining some of the things that she found in there interesting. If you've ever watched one of those, they're like one of the most boring and painful uh, shows ever. Um, not as painful as mine, but pretty damn close. Uh, and it's really hard to, to keep following up and paying attention with those. So Christina has gone in and just kind of broken these down. This is the second one that she's doing. And I keep, you know, encouraging her. And I wanted to highlight the hard work she's doing because it's awesome. Uh, and it saves you a whole lot of time. Here's some of the topics that she's talked about. One that I really liked is, let's see here. 
all right is technical you can show authority of taking prank there you go it's called the uh, is there a particular type of schema that can help with featured snippets and voice search results and there's actually a schema called speakable markup i looked into it a little bit and i think it's something that we guys that we need to you know see if we can uh, develop more and find out a use for it and certainly test to see if that's going to help with feature snippets and voice search. Single variable testing, there's probably no way to see if it's going to kick off. Voice search, I'm not sure either, uh, especially if you're doing single variable with voice search, but maybe in a live environment. Ted, I don't know, maybe you can come up with a way if after you research that and, and see if there's a way we can test it and see if it's viable uh, to help us out. But they mentioned it. It's kind of new. Actually, when you click on that link, I think Google's page says it's beta. We'll let it come up. Yeah, see? So beta. Uh, and it's yeah. subject to change. I think it's, you know, this is really a cool opportunity for, for well, especially um, if it's using this playback, best suited for playback text-to-speech stuff. So we'll see how that works. It's, it's going to be tricky because I don't know of a tool yet that tells you where you rank in voice search results. Yeah, that's good. That'd be awesome to make, though. Get now, I, I do have all the schema ready to go. I have a development build with over 300 uh, factors for the JSON LD specification. And so I really want to find out if there are some, you know, magic schemas hidden within that specification. Uh, the reason it's not launched yet is because of the people on lower-end PCs. Uh, it would absolutely crush their computer to just instantly jump to a 1,000 factors. Um, so I'm trying to figure out ways to release these factors where people can have them off by default and, and then turn them on if they have the firepower. So I'm looking at settings profiles as kind of being that answer. So I have to develop that solution so I can release all these cool factors. <laughs> Yes, in this in particular for this one, I think it'd be something just to try out. Um, since it is in beta, you know how that goes. If Google makes a beta, it may or may not stay. Uh, but they're coming out with some new ones too, like software app uh, and top places list. Uh, I'm going to start using top places list on my silos. Uh, so it might be something that you guys can look at too. Just dig in there and keep an eye on that Google search and the references for structured data, and you can see some of the new ones that they're going after. Um, just kind of you know makes your your work a little bit easier when you're thinking about which schema should I drop where. So, Terry, you do do you do a lot of schema stuff? Um, I, I I do just because um, I don't use WordPress as much as perhaps I should. I'll just code a site, but. Um, but I don't actually build too many sites anymore, so yeah. that's not a big deal. But I do like uh, throwing in schema, especially with local, and I do mostly local. Yeah. Well, I think if you can code a site and make it look good and it's usable, then that's probably um, better. I just, you know, value for time, I just never got that good with HTML. Like, I can read it and smash around with it and break things, but to, like, design a whole site out of it, that's just not something that I had any interest in <laughs> well and when you hire someone else to build sites they're going to do wordpress so yeah, yeah. 
And you know, WordPress just works, so that's why I like it. Uh, that's it for the story. So, folks, if you have any questions for Terry, Ted, or I, uh, you can go ahead now is a good time to drop those down. Uh, while you're doing that, Terry wanted to talk a little bit about Google Maps since we're at the halfway point in the show. Um, let's go with I think I'm just going to kind of vary it up and really I want to talk to you. First question is. What is your probably your number one tip for actually optimizing the map listing itself? Um, optimized images and videos in your points in, in the points point of interest in the point. Oh, points of interest. Yeah. What I'm talking about is like a GMB. Do you do you do a lot of stuff with actual the clients GMBs? Yeah. Okay. So when you're optimizing those, do you look at are there's if, if there's I I met the, that business dot site that Google gives you yeah, yeah. that's a big key right there okay. because a, in there you can Google supplies the map so you're lost on the map part but they let you put service or products and whenever Google lets you suggest you fill something out you should fill it out uh, so they got places for products and services and you can keyword stuff those with your products and services uh -huh. um you're allowed to upload photos and they encourage you to upload photos and videos of course those should all be optimized geotagged for your for your you know your client's area have you uh, tested those out because i've tested other google properties and they're stripping the exif they're stripping right. the exif and the ipc data out of those images so have you tested that it's a little bit harder with maps but testing just uploading them uh, and then um, versus putting the and, and I'm a firm believer that Google still reads it before it strips them. Uh -huh. um, just because I've seen the benefits of uploading a shitload of optimized images versus just blank images. Right. So, um, and, and of course, when you do your GMB posts, those images um, carry the metadata. And every time you do a post, it creates a new page on that business.site. Okay. Um, which has its own URL that you can, you know, push using whatever linking uh, strategies you want and stuff. Right. And uh, I was going to tell you, though, you we talked last night, we you mentioned, you know, talking about maps. Did you see there in Britain where some, I'm assuming it's kids at the school, change the name of the school online on Google to prison and hell on earth. <laughs> so in the maps, when they, anybody would click on the school, I mean, it was fixed, but um, of course people took screenshots before that. So they're, they're out there, but they uh, went in and edited a map because the school had a unverified GM, you know, uh, place listing and they assume it was a student, but, Somebody went in there and changed it to prison and hell on earth from something in language school or whatever it was, you know, that, uh, yeah, I think pretty cool. that goes back into, uh, there's that, or that bug is it where, where Google was just allowing people to suggest edits and then applying them automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably just shows that they haven't figured that out yet. And how yeah, they fixed some of them. You can no longer go in and, change the open date you know how they'll say when the business opened yeah you will change it to the future so the business would be closed because it wasn't going to open till say march of 2019 yep so it would stay 
you know, it would disappear because it's waiting on March. Yeah. But they did close that one. Um, and that was a big one because you could just wipe out all your competition if you wanted, you know, and you'd be, the, you'd have your own one pack. And, uh, yeah, I think the downside of that whole user, uh, edits is that it, it gives an opportunity for people who have less than decent morals to go in there and screw with other people's businesses. You know, I'm a black hat, but I'm not, you know, an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're dicking with other people's businesses. And the fact that Google has those in there, like I've had people make suggestions to mine and then I can either accept it or just leave it sitting there as a pending change. There's no way to decline that. Unfortunately, um, Google does a poor job of notifying the business owners too. You don't always yeah. get notified that someone has, you know, made a change or suggested a change until yeah. you happen until to check. Find it. Yeah. And then a client calls me and says, "Hey, what what happened to my on my GMB? Now it says this or that, you know." And uh, and if Google doesn't tell you, you know, you're right. just you know until you find it, you're you're screwed. Yeah. And and I saw an article this morning in India; they're getting hit with what they're calling black hatters, um, but unscrupulous uh, people who are posting photos to GMBs that have a phone number as part of the image. So they're posting them to all these wine and beer stores with for delivery call. And, <laughs> and then you call these people and they're taking your credit card money up front. And of course they're not delivering and you go bitch at the store. They don't know anything about it because it wasn't their number. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So they're just screwing people over, taking their money and not delivering. And, you know, you looked up, I don't know, someone's uh, beer or wine store and you just see these images. Oh, there's a phone number, call for delivery. And people are calling. And Well, you know, I think there's going to be assholes everywhere. Uh, and for whatever reason right now, it just seems like that, country has is producing a lot more than normal <laughs> i have a lot of indian friends that'll tell you that and then they're everywhere obviously so it used to be the nigerian princes and now it's the indian hackers and then the koreans are changing using the search to change your um to blast your search and create search pages on your website with with porn and redirects etc um so it's not just you know just the Indians, but you know, those guys are taking things that really uh, could benefit a business uh, very well and, and just making it horrible and kind of ruining it for everybody in our market. Uh, in, in particular, that method. So, posting, doing it, using, having a local guides account, uh, taking pictures on your, on your phone, pulling that into a watermarking app. And then posting your logo and your phone number on there, that's not black hat. You're right. doing them a favor, and in return, you're getting a benefit out of it. And to so those people that there'll be a lot of people like you kind of kind of bundle that into uh, one thing you're saying is black hat. You know, I think it's it's a it's a really viable method, but it's just if, as a consumer. Uh, proceed with caution, unfortunately, because there's some dickhead that kind of read it for everybody. Yeah, Google's made a lot of changes in the last year with their. I mean, last year I could rank maps all over the place. Yeah, you know, I had a client. I had, you know, he had the eight of the, the top eight on the front page, and three of them were maps ranking. You know, and now 
you can't rank a map. Now they're tier one, um, you know, powerful tier one, but you know, you're not going to rank them now. So when you're talking maps though, in that case, you're talking about my maps. Yes, but you could use them point to your GMBs as or for organic. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of lead into the next one is, are, are you still building those, um, those my maps? Because I know that they're harder to get indexed. They do index. Google still crawls them, but they're harder to get indexed and stay indexed so that you can rank them. So are you still leveraging those for uh, your GMB rankings? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because with, um, I've been a Google Maps developer for years. So I played around with the maps and um, for a while. And they're, they're just, you can stuff so much in them without being accused of keyword stuffing when that's actually what you're doing is you're stuffing <laughs> everything you're putting in them is, you know, pointing to whatever your, uh, your money page is or, or the GMB or, you know, what a video, whatever you're posting it to, but you can, you know, stuff the hell out of every point of interest you can put in there. You know, and I, I do what they call hijacking pins. Um, I'll, if you look up, I don't know, a chiropractor in Omaha, um, you can take a look at that map and change it so that all of those pins in my map point to my client um, instead of a variety of them. You know, it yeah. doesn't affect the real world. It doesn't affect a real Google map that if you did a search for chiropractors in Omaha, but my map can show that. And I can put my map out there in Google. Once they index it, then they recognize it as a map. And we all are allowed to have maps in our Gmail account. Yeah. And with the rise of the local and, G and GMBs, they make a great tier one to point to those GMBs. You point to your photos in there and you point to your those posts and, and that business site. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things that you can do with that. And especially if you know how to use the KML. Uh, and Google or Pro, we do some pretty, pretty badass things with that. So I like you. You've taught that method before the maps thing, uh, and that, that's I think that was one of the one reasons why I saw you or or learned of you, uh, as you were talking about your custom maps. And I don't know if a lot of people have seen those, but it, the custom map that I saw, it damn near looked like a dartboard. And you had like the business and then the rings around it and all that other madness. And I was like, oh, how the hell, how the hell is he making that? And that's when I started following you and just kind of learning and, uh, and seeing, trying to figure out what you're doing. Cause I know a lot of people say, Oh, those don't work. They're fancy and they look cool, but they don't work. But what you actually dig into what you did and how they're, um, those pins are actually, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they're almost interlinking, uh, and going right to ultimately all those pins end up somehow related to the actual business pin that you're trying to promote in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I did a, a tutorial video for, and I use as an example, one of my clients in Chicago and I didn't know that at the time, but when I, as I was setting up to do it, there's over 80 zip codes in Chicago, which I didn't know. So I just did a pin per zip code, which centers in those zip codes. Uh, it's in the center of each of those zip codes. But if you look at the map from like Illinois, it just looks like a, I mean, a cluster of pins. Right. Because Chicago is a big city, but you're not looking at it on a one-on-one -on -one scale. You know, so <laughs> they're just all these concentric rings of 
and odd shapes of pins. And every one of them, you know, refers to that, uh, you know, you center your, your client's page, obviously. Um, so, you know, it's, and, you know, 15 minutes, you can build that up and blast it out and have a my map full of pins of points of interest. And each of those points of interest, Google already recognizes as being associated with that keyword. You know, so you're just reinforcing that and saying, not just is it Joe's chiropractic, more important, it's my customer's chiropractic or whatever. So. Right. Does that help doing, does doing that help with, uh, you know, those tools that have, you know, like your business in a centroid and then, they, you know, they have the little search boxes and it turns greener and red based off of location. Does that help with that process? Yes, because it, it reinforces that your business is not just at address A, but it's within so many miles of whatever radius they, you know, they're, uh, service area happens to be, um, or if they're a brick and mortar, people routinely routinely come from this suburb or this suburb into, you know, get their vacuum fixed or whatever it is their, yeah. their product or service they offer. So like there's a, what's that Falcon local that shows all those red and green. Pins yeah, local and green. Green. yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that can, that just, it just reinforces to Google that it's, not just a point on a map, but it's an area, you know, around that point. And then people, the next street over and the next block over and the next city over, maybe all, you know, can use that product or service. So uh, Google, my maps and Google GMBs, you know, they're Google and Google loves Google. So, you know, might as well feed them with it. Right. I think a local Falcon, I haven't like used it personally. I've tried the beta version on the site, like Fleffer or some crazy name like that. Um, uh, with the same concept, I see how that could be used as a one as a sales tool, and then also as a measurement stick for an SEO campaign. So that's a pretty interesting content or yeah, yeah I think, that I like. Um, sales tool definitely. Then, like you say, as a measuring stick, a before and after, or even a you know monthly part of included in a monthly report or something like that. Right. But um, uh, I tried the. The beta free version and couldn't get the it couldn't get it to give me results that were consistent at all even doing the same search and so um i've uh i've talked to somebody the other day and they're gonna show me later this week how it's supposed to work because apparently i wasn't I'm, i must have done something wrong i don't know but you know either that or it's just lousy software I don't know. <laughs> on a uh, minor side note i keep getting distracted by the url over your shoulder terry because it's uh reverse on my screen so maybe you can send that url to clint and he can put it in his post in case people want to find it yeah for sure yeah find that and then the video that you referenced the how you're building your maps up is particularly you know the ones that you want to share so that's just Terry's tips and strategies.com. Terry's tips and strategies. So and he's got some videos on there too. You got to click around a little bit because, you know, he hardcoded that site. So it's absolutely horrible. <laughs> post it on Amazon. It's in the cloud. It's not even on a, a web server. Other, well, it's an Amazon web server. Yeah. But, um, but uh, and, and my membership is, you know, uh, yeah, it's 10 bucks. It's lousy as far as, um, the setup and all that stuff. I think yeah. it's got good content, but it's, you know, not, uh, 
it's 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not going to get a full membership site out for 10 bucks. You know, you just, for the there's, no, there's no money in doing that. So, you know, you, I think honestly, that's, that's probably a good price if you're looking to help people out and just support your server costs, for example. Um, so, or buy some coffee so you can, yeah, I got an Amazon bill yesterday for 15 cents again. So yeah. I've got to keep those costs down. Yeah. That must be horrible for you. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna leave it at that. Like I said, Terry's got a mastermind. What's the website again? Again, Terry. Terry's tips and strategies. Terry's tips and strategies. Uh, check him out again. It's uh, ten dollars a month. Uh, I hopefully he'll raise the price, uh, and then we'll put a membership uh, product behind there. I try to talk to him into S at SEO Rockstars to do that because I just think it's the value is really there. Uh, he's a really good teacher. Uh, but if you're, you know, in all honesty, if you're like me and you want people to talk fast, cause I naturally talk fast. So I kind of ingest fast, just get yourself a video speed boofer. Um, yeah. Terry does not leave the steps out. He's not going to give you some half-assed method. Uh, you know, that is not what he's doing. Uh, it's, there's nothing here that's, you know, it's not magic going to rank you in a bajillion days or, you know, or whatever for a bajillion things, but it's one more piece to that overall seo puzzle uh and it's specific really good for map stuff uh, so i would check out check out terry's uh, videos um, watch the free ones that he's got on the website if you like his style uh then join his mastermind and you'll get access to more of those which he keeps uh like you said on the cloud uh, you can see him in skype in the gallery or you can get access to his facebook group and you'll see all his videos there um, and if you want to help terry out you like what he's doing then Make him a damn membership site so that he can post the videos in some kind of order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go into the questions that will close that out. Ted's been in there banging on a bunch of them or answering a bunch of them, so I think we're doing okay. Let's see. Ted, is it possible to give any exact time that a web page can reach first page? So generally, how to estimate a page can rank for a keyword in a certain time. Uh I think Ted doesn't look like you, you you try to answer that. So I'm going to give my perspective. And then since he asked you, we'll have you um, kind of make sure that we're both on the talking the same thing. So what I look for when I'm trying to estimate how much a, or how long it's going to take, I want to look at the keyword difficulty. I look at the competition. Are there any 800 pound gorillas in there? You know, Amazon is an 800 pound gorilla. So look for those type of websites. And then I look at the power or the overall authority, as it were, of the, the site I'm trying to rank. And that's that's how I make my estimates, estimates, estimates of how long it's going to take. For sales purposes, regardless if I know I can rank them in a month, or, or a week or, you know, six months, I always tell clients three to six months. And I never give ranking guarantees because we don't control Google. Uh, Google can change the algorithm tomorrow and take my three to six months and make it like, you know, six to nine uh, pretty damn quick. But that's how I estimate how long it's going to take uh, to rank page 10. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, I, I try to avoid giving exact time frames because that sounds like a recipe to have to backpedal. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd much rather, you know, say to someone, well, let's see what I can accomplish in a month. And then I can start a lot of things in motion and, you know, see what things 
uh, are easy and what things are going to be more difficult. And then we can always look backwards and say a month got us X. Um, but when you start uh, calling the shot, people start looking at your accuracy and precision and SEO just isn't that accurate and precise. So, you know, I'd be reluctant to say I can get you to page one in 12 days because I'd feel very foolish when that didn't happen if we found complicating factors. Yeah. I, I, I've i seen a couple of models where people are like pay to rank or, you know, pay me after I rank, which in my opinion is really stupid because I can just run around and get people to do that. And then after they may rank me and be like, nah, I don't want to pay you now. And that shit happens all the time. So, but I've also seen people that do the guaranteed rankings and you wonder um, from an ethics point of view is, is are, are they guaranteeing the rankings for the term that they want that actually convert to mixed clients or are they guaranteeing a page of one ranking and just getting it on some crazy long tail term that's really easy anyway. So Terry, you got any input on that? I just, I do it about the same way you do, Clint, except I don't tell the client. That's for my own purposes to look at it and go, oh, this will be fairly easy or this is going to be pretty tough. But I, um, of course, now I use pop, but I used to just look at that, their page because a lot of times I could say, oh, well, shit, look at that title tag. Look at that. I mean, that, obviously just cleaning this page up is going to give them a bump, you know? So, um, but yeah, look at the competition and, and the complexity of the, the keywords they want to they want to rank for, but yeah. Are you a Quora user, Terry? No. Um, Ted has offered me a, a trial and I was just, I, I told him I, if I got a two to two week trial, it'd be three weeks before I'd get to using it. And <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so well, I need to, you know, so Terry, when we get off here, the first thing you yeah, the first thing you need to do is take advantage of that trial. And then he's got some other tools in it in there. And there's one called Cora Outreach that what you just talked about, Cora Outreach does for you like in 15 seconds. Well, not just that. I was fascinated with his video of Cora Page. Yeah, and then there's Cora Page. Like, too. Oh, my gosh, for yeah. cloud, because I like to play in the cloud anyway. That would make perfect cloud pages with, yeah. with auto redirects and hidden redirects and stuff. So Yeah, I think that'll work out. But, Try to, yeah, you should jump all over that. And if you guys don't, you know, I, I have an affiliate link, but I'm not going to give it to you. Just go to Ted's site, look at Cora, watch the training videos. If you need help with it, reach out to me or Ted before you buy it because it's not cheap. And then we'll, um, you know, if you just have one or two pages you want to run, contact me or Ted. Uh, Ted's just probably going to send you to me anyway, and we'll get the pages run for you so you can see the power of core and what is you know what is doing for you before. i've gotten reports before yeah from people i know that have it and i recommend it to people all the time i just haven't taken the time yeah sorry ted um no i mean it's do it's, it myself. it's a lot to take in you know yeah. people get it and they don't realize how much data and analysis is in the output yeah. so really i'm giving you all the ammunition you need uh, but people can be overwhelmed with that if they don't work with data every day. For so sure. if you get a Quora report uh, and you're new to it and you're easily overwhelmed, just ignore everything except the roadmap. And when you use the roadmap, just cherry pick five or ten of the easy ones and knock them out. And if you're in a basic SEO, it's probably too much for you. Stick with Pop. 
But as you get your intermediate and advanced skills, get into Coral because it'll make that learning curve a lot smaller and you'll do it a lot faster. I thought I knew a lot of shit. And then every time Cora gets updated, I learn something new. So um, there's more than just getting the, the the benefit of the rankings from there. You're actually making yourself better. Yeah, and this uh, new version that I'm trying to get out today or tomorrow, Cora uh, 4.8, um, it's... It has a new factor that's blowing my mind. It's a number of non-zero factors. It's basically a rough estimate of your factor diversity on the page. And it correlates stronger than backlinks. And it's showing that, you know, the average website on page one has, you know, about 33 factors. And the number one website often has like 50 or 60 factors. And it's just really cool seeing uh, factor diversity in play. That sounds like a whole show right there. <laughs> All right, next question is from Lewis Houston. Uh, you spoke last week about making a or taking an expired domain. Uh, and let's see. You spoke in the last week's about episode about a 301, a page from an expiring domain to the money of flight. Can you explain that process? Uh, talked about that. Earlier, actually, Terry had that same question, so it's, it's kind of good that we go over it. So there's two ways to do it. You can redirect, 301 redirect the expired domain to the normal way, just 301 it to the homepage. Typically, the cases where I do that is there's not, it's, it wasn't a big site anyway. Um, there's probably not a whole lot of traffic, but it's got one or two backlinks that I want. I will just at the register 301 that domain to the money site. And now, uh, and then if you, you know, if you want to hurry that process along, send some traffic through the, uh, the backlink that you wanted in the first place and Google will find that new black link and you'll get some more power from it. This, you won't see a lot of results from that. Uh, just doing that one thing, uh, usually on average, what I'm seeing now is about 60 days. And I think that goes along with the conversation that Ted and I had last week is that uh, Google is, the, the domain is expired. Google's crawling around the backlinks and finding this domain and is no longer alive. And they're just kind of saying, well, and deleting all of the, the power from it. And then when I'm sending traffic through that old backlink again, it's refreshing and Google's going, oh, okay. And now I'm getting the juice back. Uh, so that's why I think that average is probably about 30 to 60 days where I'm seeing results from that method. The other method is to do it at the uh, HT access level uh, and, and by page. The easiest way to pull this off is to get Yoast Premium or any other tool that interconnects inter with Search Console. And when you redirect to the uh, to the money site, any page is getting traffic. You redirect that to the page on your website where you want that traffic to funnel. And in turn, you're going to funnel the power. The downside of doing that is that you're going to be chasing soft 404s in your search console until all that those traffic backlinks are picked up. Uh, but once those traffic backlinks are all properly redirected to the specific pages, the soft 404s go away. Uh, and that's how you handle that. So the example I gave last week was I bought a domain that had a bunch of users. And instead of sending those users and all that stuff just to my homepage, I've 301 those to uh, 
the user pages of my target website. Uh, and that, you know, so it's it, it makes sense of why it's there. It's still a user. Uh, and then I just link out from the user pages. So that's kind of how you handle that. It's, it's, it really depends on the quality of the expired and you know what you're looking for from backlinks. If you're buying one with a whole crap ton of backlinks and I got some traffic, um, you may also look at just turning it into a PBN. But I build my PBNs like real websites and I don't have time for a whole lot of projects. So it's just easier for me to do the 301 thing. And it's easier to teach a VA how to fix those three those soft 404. So uh, let's see. Mike Carson, a personal observation. Does it seem like Google is moving more of the content control away from the publishers and slowly moving more of that control into their own resources? For example, showing more information in the results snippets like questions, products, etc. It would seem these options would hinder you from getting traffic credit to your website how do you see this affecting your rankings uh ted do you have any opinions on that sorry could you repeat that i was responding to a chat question uh, no that's too long <laughs> yeah. no. uh, so basically in, in a nutshell is you know how google's pulling in data from other people's websites and creating which snippets and People also ask and oh, what's this the results? Yeah, do you, do you do you think that's going to be a trend that will continue uh, to get worse and worse in our perspective? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Google used to show ten organic web results on the first page, and they secretly went to nine, and nobody noticed. Like all of us lost 10% of our page one rankings and nobody complained about it. And they totally stealth that in there. And now it's at seven for some result, for most results. Yeah, so they're taking away even more. So uh, do I think it'll continue? Yes, because I think ultimately Google wants to be an ad search. You know, they want to make revenue and deliver shareholder value and there's this legal uh, obligation for fiduciary responsibility that they have for their shareholders. And so they must do what's best for them, not what's best for you. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think whatever keeps people time on page in the search results, whatever satisfies the search and leads to the next one that brings more ad opportunities and the conspiracy theorist in me, so put on my tinfoil hat here, I'll put on the disclaimer. You know, if I was at Google and I was in charge of balancing the profitability of the ads, and Google will deny this and they have denied this and it's probably not true, but if, if I was in a mythical hypothetical role like that, I would want to make sure that the organic web results weren't too good. I'd want them to be good enough that the ads still perform, but not so good that they draw clicks away from the ads. I don't think you're too far off because if you think about it, what is their they want to end search? End the search. They want that's they want to end the search for the user. But if you look in local, they're not ending the search. They're putting more directories. So they're giving the results of the search more searches. You got to go to some other place to do another search. So I think that's 
that's really sound if you, when you think yeah. about it. And, and so I see I see searches all the time. Like I'll I'll see you know a three letter you know mid tail keyword that should obviously go to Zappos for like shoes or something. And there it is, you know, middle to bottom of page. And it's like, why, why is it doing that? You know, it's like a clear winner on page. And, you know, it's clearly something that makes people really, you know, happy as far as their, their service and their product. And, and so I just keep encountering things that make me wonder, but I don't really have any proof. So it's all tinfoil hat theory. And that probably isn't the case, but it makes me wonder. And, should make you wonder too. Yeah, well, if you're hearing your theory and then you look at the local search results, it looks pretty damn sound. You know, <laughs> you know, other than Google saying, "No, no, we're not doing that." You know, prove it. You know, I don't see how they're ending search by having the directories in there. So that makes a lot of sense. It's an evolution. Google used to pride themselves on getting rid of you as quick as possible. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, two point eight second or two point two eight seconds. Here's your results. Go. And um, their goal was to, when you punch something in, to have you on another website, you know, inside of a second. And now their goal is to keep you on Google. Um, and I don't see it quitting going that way. It's obviously profitable for them. For sure. Uh, next question. How do you cluster the keywords and map them to existing pages? So that's pretty. that's a pretty good question. I use... I don't know how to answer this in a way that everyone can get. What I do is I create a, a page for one keyword. So obviously you can rank one page for multiple keywords, uh, and that's awesome. But I optimize it always for one keyword. And then I'll let it go and sit. And if assuming that I've done my work correctly, I get some traffic. And that traffic is also going to come from supplemental terms. Uh, longer term, longer tail words, etc., and I get that data out of Search Console and get Clicky. I have Clicky hooked up, so I got two analytics running on my website, uh, so I can get as much information as possible. And then those supplemental words, I'll either a start building uh, anchor text backlinks to that same page and it'll increase the ranking for that supplemental word, or make an entirely new page for it. Um, so if I'm looking at clustering keywords, and this is a question we had with Ted, actually, um, you guys are like, I don't know, premonitions here or whatever, but so it was, how are, are you building your structures with or without, uh, you now Ted, Ted had a hard time answering, asking this question. Now I'm having a hard time spitting it out too. Is what structure do you use on your website with your silos to keep everything related? So hopefully Ted doesn't mind, but if you have a restaurant and you can, you can use my example exactly, I already anonymized it. Okay. So basically, if you're, if you have a website and you're selling food, let's say you're, you're a grocery store and you're selling food. So you have fries, food, because you also sell home cleaning products and all the other matters, right? But you have the food section, and then you have Mexican food, so there's another subdirectory. And now you have tacos. Uh, or are you a restaurant that sells Mexican tacos? Um, 
I think tacos are Mexican anyway, but <laughs> but Mexican tacos. So which which is better to to cluster all your content with that? And it's really to answer your question it is what are you selling and how are you doing it? And my website, I talk about SEO, I talk about social media, I talk about PPC, I talk about web design. So my categories are SEO, social media, PPC, web design. Anything under those big keywords is goes in there. So if it's a long tail of SEO, uh, it goes in the SEO category. Uh, my categories are also pages. I deleted the category page and I have a page for SEO. So now it's the top of my funnel. And the category page 301 is 301 to the SEO page. So that's why if you look at my, some of my URL structures, it looks a little dinked because it's got SEO hyphen one. Because um, the SEO category is actually the original. There's, there's a 301 there to the SEO hyphen one. just the way WordPress works. Um, so that's, that's how I cluster my terms and how I build those structures using um, uh, directories or categories or however you want to do it. Hopefully, Ted, now that you know, hearing that in person versus text, that makes a little bit more sense. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where do you place schema, header or footer? Terry. Header. Ted. Uh, depends on the type of schema. If it's micro formats, micro data, or that weird obscure uh, bibliography one you like, it's got to <laughs> be in the body. Um, but if it's JSON LD, it could be header or body. Yeah. Typically, it depends on what you're what you're writing your schema about. For the most part, you can just put it in a header and you'll be okay. Uh, but if you are you know, you do article. Article is typically wrapped around the body. If you're doing uh, images, it's usually wrapped around the image. Uh, if you're doing videos, it's wrapped around the, the video. So, it, you know, but obviously there's plenty of ways of doing it. Uh, yes or no? Implement schema with Google Tag Manager. Terry? No. Ted? Uh, seems tricky because uh, how do you do it dynamically? I guess you could have variables on your page and then your tag manager reads the variables and creates the right schema, but it seems like delicate and I'd be worried about breaking it if you have to use data layer to get the proper schema at the time tag manager renders. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little bit more complicated than it should be. Yeah, I think it was compli it's complicated to the point where most people probably shouldn't do it um, because you can, if unless you really know what you're doing with Tag Manager, like there is one of the viewers that he implements with Tag Manager, uh, Ken Tippins, um, and I have done it as well. But it's such it's unless you do it a lot, then is then you got to remember the process and make sure you're putting in the scheme in the right place and the, it's firing at the right time, like Ted said, etc. Um, so typically, I just don't even bother doing and Tag Manager anymore. And remember, JavaScript is very slow execution time. So if you want a you know a very optimized, fully loaded page render time, then you kind of want to try to minimize what you're doing in Tag Manager. Yeah, maybe Ken, he, like he's he's a user of it, and see if that if he's Ken, if you notice that it's slowing down your sites or anyone else for that matter. Uh, let's see, RSR. RSS Authority Sniper from Lisa Allen. 
cool tool. Um, check that out if you want to use it. I, you know, I don't mind it. I use our supplemental service as well. That's just another way to get um, a little bit more promotion and stuff. Those are rank websites. I honestly, I'm not, I haven't used it consistently enough to say that it does, uh, but it sure as hell helps with indexing. Uh, let's see. Uh, Derek is Waziak is here. Whoop, whoop. Uh, let's see. Sniper 2. Somebody check sites to rank for the turn. I'm looking for more questions. Looks like Ted's got most of them, though. Let's see. Hey, guys, I've seen spam pages with gibberish PHP in the URL. Do these pages, uh, these pages pop up a window, and then and they just get closed. The thing which su surprises me is seeing a very large scale in the SERPs. That's actually a uh, it's a black hat technique. Um, and then Ted come up with something similar. Uh, he he'll talk about it when he's ready and he'll do it on his own. Time exploit. <laughs> yeah, time exploit. Um, but basically what you're seeing there is broad is you create a, a mass page site with whatever content you want to rank and then you put it overlays in and those overlays kick in that, that pop-up. Uh, and, and they actually rank uh, really well. Uh, and you build those at scale, uh, not because you want to, but because that's how they're effective uh, and, they, and they work a lot faster. So instead of, you know, making a 1,000 page site, you make a 30,000, 40,000, 100,000 page website. Um, and then throw those pop-ups in there after everything ranks. Google ranks and naturally you get a bunch of long tail traffic. 301, you make some money, delete, rinse, repeat. Uh, so it's, you know, are they spam pages? Well, yeah, I guess they are if you got there and you didn't find what you were searching for. But um in truth, those things, those work like gangbusters and make a lot of money. So uh, spam is in the eye of the beholder. And if they lead you, they redirect you to it where you wanted to go anyway. Yeah. Or they find, they answered, they solved your problem. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, in some cases, people are searching for, you know, she -mails. So if they, you found she -mails, then there you go. Ta -da. Um, but if you're using, you know, if, Again, if those how a black hat method is used it really dictates the morality of it. So, if you're targeting uh, long tail or short tail businesses and then sending it to a, a malware page that drops malware, then you're kind of an asshole, right? Uh, but if you're using it in a method just to make a little bit of money and you are solving a problem because you built a whole bunch of easily to rank pages around this particular target, then I don't see anything wrong with that uh, at all. Uh, you know, Google's doing it. Google is making money off of your back, so why don't you make some money off of theirs, right? All right, so Ted, let's close this out. We're going to talk about SEO Fight Club because we're almost at an hour and 20 minutes now. So uh, SEO Fight Club tomorrow. What, first, what did you go over last week so they can catch up on that episode, and then what do we have coming up tomorrow? Well, SEO Fight Club, if you haven't heard about it, it was an old YouTube show I used to run trying to debunk SEO myths with data and measurement. And and it kind of flopped and I kind of, you know, ran out of wind in my sails to, to do it. And so recently, a lot of people demanded we bring it back. So we rebooted it and we have Clint Butler and Kyle Roof. 
and uh, we debate uh, cutting-edge SEO theory craft. It's a dangerous podcast in that if you take the information we share and implement it on your clients' websites, it might cause problems, it might get you penalized by Google. We're basically showing you the insides of our technical research and our private discussions and how we debate SEO on a daily basis. So it's a window into that. Episode one was on keyword density. And if you haven't seen it, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to make you rethink everything. Episode two is on meta descriptions. And if you haven't seen it, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to make you rethink everything. And episode three is tomorrow. And I'm pretty sure it's going to blow your mind. It's going to make you rethink everything. So uh, come join us and, uh, you know, hopefully we can live up to the hype. I'm sure we will. We seem to be delivering. Yeah, for sure. Last week's week's was awesome with the meta description stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I was almost speechless. You can watch that episode. I was like, uh, uh, uh." (laughs) because we didn't get to see the the test results after that. So. Uh, that was really good. So if you want to find a channel, it's SEO Fight Club. You can do uh, YouTube. I'll actually update a link in the uh, description of the video and on the page uh, so you can see it. But SEO Fight Club is on Wednesday. So SEO this week, Tuesday, we get some ideas. What are we going to test, et cetera? And SEO Fight Club Wednesdays where you see some of those tests come to fruition uh, and a lot more. Uh, I've seen the slides for tomorrow and it's really really good especially if you want to start being a smart seo and testing on your own so uh, you definitely need to be there Uh, and with that terry again uh, can you give everyone your website again so they can find you sure terry's tips and strategies.com terry's tips and strategies uh there is he's got a mastermind on there 10 bucks a month if you want to join that it's on skype um, and if not, there's some training videos and stuff, or just reach out to Terry, you know, and he'll definitely help you out. Uh, Terry, I'd like to thank you very much. I gave you short notice to show up, but you did anyway. So I appreciate that. Well, thanks. Uh, and I'll see you back some other time. Take care, Ted. Good talking right. with you. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. And this closes out episode 105 of SEO this week. Yeah.